Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Mark Rackley, Group Manager and Modern Workplace Architect at Avanad and the organizer of the North American Collaboration Summit on the topic of promoting events in a post-pandemic world. Mark, thank you for joining me today. Uh, and this is a, uh, a topic that we've talked a little bit about as part of the organizing committee for the North American Collaboration Summit, which you've been running for how many years now? 13 years in some form or fashion. So yeah, right. it's been going for a while. Doing it for a while. Um, and I'm on the, uh, the the user group here for the the what was formerly the Utah SharePoint user group. We rebrand ourselves as the Microsoft User Group Utah or MUGGIT because you have to have an acronym and it's ugly, but yeah. So close to Muppet. If it's I know. Muppet, it's the it. MUGGIT. I know. Um, well, I think a MUGGIT, uh, like I used to wear a MUGGIT, um, which is a modif modified mullet. But anyway, uh, yeah, we had this discussion about like, what do we even call the event? And because Part of it, for a SharePoint Saturday, you knew what you were getting. In later years, the difficulty is the number of topics that we covered within a SharePoint Saturday, as you know. Um, people, I would hear like the week after the event, oh, like, well, I'm not a SharePoint guy, but I didn't realize that you were doing all this other stuff that's within Microsoft 365. So right. we rebranded ourselves so pre-pandemic, so the last two times we did it, we moved it from Saturday to Friday, uh, but we called it Microsoft 365 Utah. Yep. So, yeah, yeah uh, what's been your experience? Um, well, I mean, I think it's been interesting to see all the events pivot. I, I know like Microsoft 365 Chicago is happening at some point fairly soon, I think. I guess I should submit a session if I'm going to do that. Um, and now collab days is a thing. So there's collab days that are happening around the world. Um, but yeah, it's, I know SP Fest rebranded to 365 Educon. Um, I just, and like the other, a lot of other events are just no longer around like SP Tech Con and, and some of the, you know, early ones like, uh, you know, even SPC is now kind of been bundled into Ignite. It's, it's, or is it in 365 Conf or, or, you know, it's, it's, a challenge i mean i started as sharepoint saturday ozarks um and then i rebranded to sharepoint alusa because i turned it mm -hmm. into multi-day and i brought in some bands and stuff and from there i uh partnered up with uh, addis and spence who do the european collaboration summit mm -hmm. i said so we'll, i'll be your sister been over here in the states and I, that's how it became the the north american collaboration summit well, it, I mean, one of the difficulties here, I mean, we just got into this in our planning call. We're doing our event, um, whatever we call it. And I think we're torn between M365 Utah or M365 Friday. That was another idea. Uh, or if we jump on board Odyssey's platform and do the collab days, we've got collab days, New England. Um, I think that's the only one in the US that I saw that's on the current schedule, but they built a platform that enables the hosting and it integrates with sessionize and eventbrite so the two tools we were using anyway for our free events um but one of the discussions that we had 
So we actually have a power platform speaker at our user group in the month of September. Um, and the question is like our database has historically been SharePoint, OneDrive, like that side of things. And whether, and there were, uh, there were other separate user groups around power platforms uh, it, 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 just before the pandemic. I don't, I don't know if they're as active now, but we'll probably uh, kind of resurge um, now that people are getting back to in-person meetings. But the question was, you know, uh, do these things really come together for the, the same event? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I, cause I know we're covering all the same topics at NAX. Yeah. And if you look at my, my workshops, so I have what, I think eight workshops this year and, you know, by far there's the most interest in the power apps workshop. And it's just like, that's, it's, it's a, it's a real thing. Like there's, there's now starting to be more and more people having focused power apps conferences and power platform conferences. And it's in ways it's almost like, I guess my, my concern, my old man concern is that it's, you know, cannibalizing one community to create another because we all did really kind of germinate and grow up in, in SharePoint and teams and Microsoft 365, unless you count those dynamics folks, but I don't really count those as real people. Um, <laughs> if you look into their eyes, you see the blackness of their souls. So that I, exactly. I think it's a fair thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I get the need for these power platform things and to brand them that way so that people know what it is. Um, but there's just so much, you know, crosstalk and so much, you know, there's so much connectivity. I think there's a place to do it all in one together. But then, yeah, you've got to name it so that people can know what it is as quickly as possible. Because if you just see collab days, you're not going to think power platform necessarily. If right. you see the North American Collaboration Summit, you're not necessarily going to think, you know, power platform. We also do Azure. So it's like you you don't always think those things. So how do you how do you sell it to people who don't know the event? And that is my biggest challenge. I'm, I have no problems getting comeback people. Um, I have no problems getting attendees if I can get in front of them and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I had no idea that was there. I'll sign up. But those other people, that's the new people who may not know. That's a challenge. You know, I've always thought that it was, uh, I've always been a little more critical of some of these events where you go and they've in, in, in Vegas and uh, in Orlando. And actually, uh, so back in the day, I, I presented it a couple of years at the, um, so there's an event in New York where they basically, they took, you know, they, they branded three separate events. It was one conference, but they had one that was like knowledge management. It was the, 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 the you know, cam world event. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever did that one, Mark. I haven't. But, so you had the one that was like information management. And then there was one that was specifically like, like, uh, like data platform or something. Anyway, there's three separate. And when one was security, it was one event, but they were able to go and do marketing to each of those three constituencies, knowing that you, you buy one ticket to that one show, you're able to go to any of the sessions because it's a single conference. They just kind of broke it up that way. Yeah, I think that's what like Dev Connections and Dev Intersections and right. Live 360, I think all those kind of do the same thing, um, which I think, so, I mean, that's a good idea because you've got to, you, you, you do have different marketing, but you've like tripled your work or doubled your work and you've right. got to maintain all the, it's bigger ad, ad budget. Yeah. Marketing budget for that. 
but that's that i mean that's the the difficulty right now is is thinking about like uh, it, again going back to the sharepoint saturday model which is very successful and i know and look we didn't even invent it you know it was sql saturday years before sharepoint saturdays happened but that the model was it was really you had developer content uh, admin, IT pro, and then power users and later business user. So you really had kind of three categories of, of content. And now it's much more workload specific rather than role specific. I mean, yeah. you still have people that will say, hey, this is more technical. And you've got kind of the levels and the, you know, you read the descriptions, folks, because there might be business content in what may be written up as a technical session that you may still want to go and do. Well, and I think to be good at any one technology, especially in the Microsoft 365 space, you need to know about the other technologies. So that's why I think that it's really important that, so if maybe you are a power platform person, but you know what, if you are writing a power app and you know nothing about SharePoint, I'm, you're like, you're cutting off your arm. I mean, you're, you're missing a big piece of the puzzle. Right. So I think it's, it's, I think it's important to find a way we, we can bring everybody together at these events still, but let them know that there is going to be this, the content they care about, but also there's content that they need to know about whether they, and they didn't know about that before, which is why you need to go there to learn about it. As people are registering, are you asking those kinds of questions, but are you, do you have the questions in the registration uh, that to, to, to identify, Hey, what sessions they might be attending? No, I've never done that because I found that people hate filling out additional information. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I, I try to keep it as simple as possible and, and go from there. Um, yeah, I would love to, I would love to have some kind of form, but I, it, it's a turnoff for people, people, people hate it. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's always the difficult thing. Like we, we pull our database and we, we have, uh, you know, a hundred, several hundred upper hundreds, not under a thousand, but within our, our database for our user group. And we'll ask you, well, what do you want to see? Well, those are, those folks are historically predominantly the SharePoint space and more on the technical side. So it's where, when you market just to your existing database, um, you get skewed results That's answers true. back. Well, maybe you know, you just gave me an idea for what I'll do for my event. Maybe during registration, I'll have a QR code to a form and have people submit, fill out the form. And if they fill out the form, they get submitted for a raffle for a gift card. I mean, that would be a way to get them to respond. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that because that's data. That's important data to help kind of figure out what we're going to do next year and how we're going to grow. So thank you for that. For that yeah. Idea. yeah. Well, as a marketing guy, I mean, poll, polling surveys are always good for that, but yeah. Well, that's interesting. What, do you, what are you doing to market? Like what, what is working? Do you think? I have no idea what's working. <laughs> I get the strangest spikes in registrations and I'm like, where did you come from? Why? I mean, like how, um, but me, because I, I didn't, I just added a field on the registration form to how did you hear about NACS? I should have done that years ago, just little stupid things that I haven't done. Um, but I'm, hoping from now forward, I can get some insights into how people are hearing about it. But I do. Um, so I post Twitter on Twitter. You've probably seen yeah. it on Twitter. Yep. Lots. Um, and on LinkedIn, I've started using uh, animated GIFs and creating little things to try to grab people's attention um, visually. Um, if it's working, I, I can't say for sure, uh, which is bad, a bad marketing practice to say, I don't know. 
Um, and then I've, I do buy Facebook ads because they're fairly inexpensive. You can get a, a you can get visibility on how many people you're engaging with, how many clicks you're getting. So I can find out like which ads got the most interact engagement. Maybe they didn't register, but I got some engagement there. And you can, you know, do an ad for as cheap as $35. So you can throw some things out there to see what kind of response you're going to get and build from there. Andrew Connell apparently is like a guru when it comes to Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. I've, I've talked to him a few times and he's tried to educate me, but I'm still just like trying to figure things out. I did do one LinkedIn ad. I saw zero engagement from it and they charged me like three times more than they said they would. Like, what's your yeah. budget? I'm like, okay, we're going to charge you three times that. I'm like, that's, that's really not how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've tried Matt. Okay. So this is a big problem with, with uh, COVID and with you know, the great resignation is my mailing list is about 40% bad email addresses now. Mm, yeah. uh, I lost 40% of my people that were in that list that I can reach out to. So that's hurt. Um, Cause I could usually get a huge spike when I would send out a mailer saying, okay, this week is the last week of early bird registration. Make sure you register today. And I would, I would always get, I always get like a hundred registrations that week. But this year, like, you know, when you're rejecting 40% of your emails, I didn't see that. I just saw a much smaller spike. So it's, it, it is a nut I haven't fully cracked. I know one tactic, uh, and I actually did this. Um, I was brought in as a consultant to help with Microsoft's portion of the investment in the Microsoft 365 collab conference a few years back uh, in, in in Las Vegas. I don't know if you remember, I think you did one of the videos for that, but I would do interviews and pull together. So edit videos of a number of the speakers. Have you ever done that for North American collab summit? I have. And again, nothing I've not seen, you know, if you go look at the YouTube videos, they're still out there. There's not a huge number of views. So you, you create yeah. the content, but still getting people actually go to the content. Um, it's, it's, there's just so much noise out there right now. Like, for yeah. anything to get visibility, it's it almost has to go viral. Yeah, and it's something you know you know you can't force that. So, well, I would never recommend that you like do a video where you bite the head off a kitten or something or other. But that would you know, it's a viral moment like that. You know, just I mean, just, I, just, it's the Alice Cooper theory of uh, social marketing. I ate a baby duck once, and that didn't go viral. <laughs> Did you eat one of those uh, Philippines thing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a video of me eating a balut egg, but no, it's not viral. How did how did it taste? Um, so the and, and it's actually not horrible. It tastes like pate. Yeah, it's just that it's got a different texture, and every now and then you get a feather in your teeth. But you know, it's <laughs> my my daughter lived in the Philippines and speaks fluent Tagalog, and she she's like, yeah, I actually really like it, Dad. I'm like, no, no. I, no, it's fine. I, I would, I would absolutely have one again. Um, I did also do a, and I did that with ducks. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Then, and we also did eight century eggs together and that's a totally different uh, beast. I, what is yeah. that? So a century egg, it's a very uh, acrid tasting black egg that they're supposed to like, I don't know all the history behind it, but it's actually supposed to be used as a condiment. You like shave it on things to give it oh, something. But okay. We took the egg and ate it and it tasted like you're eating like drain cleaner. It was, it was nasty. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what drain cleaner tastes like, but you ought to, you know, blog about that sometime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, 
I don't, I, I don't, I don't have problems with some of the various pe- folks that go around the world and eat some strange things. Like there was, uh, I'm trying to remember, um, somebody went through. I think like Michael Knoll had a video. Uh, maybe he and Joel were eating like the fried crickets from like, hey, I do that. You know, no, no problem there. But the, uh, you know, something like the, uh, the, 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 the duck fetus and to get the crunchy with the pate taste like nope not selling me on that so my thing is if, if i know people are eating this and don't die from it like it's a more it's like this is the food they eat yeah I'm, i'll try it why not sure. um i may not try it again but yeah why not give it a shot hmm. yeah weird segue yeah well I, i'll just say that, that like the only thing that i had where people just like i can't believe you ate that is uh on one of my trips up to scotland and had some haggis that was smelled te- terrible but actually really liked the taste so well was it real haggis because what real I found haggis out, okay yeah they've got like the vegetarian it. kind uh, where which is you buy in the store no no yeah. this was like legit yeah yeah i went to a restaurant and i when i was in edinburgh and i ordered some haggis and i was very disappointed that it was just like this this isn't yeah a vegetarian thing right so, yeah. yeah yeah well it's uh you know i, I think that's the, the 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 great dilemma here is like well you can't rely on your database you you um I mean, and I know you run into this, this too, and, and I've been guilty of it, but you're getting your speakers, getting your co-organizers to also be out there actively promoting is one of the key things. And it's, it's an ongoing struggle. You have to chase people with the stick to get them to promote on a regular basis. You send out the email and say, please, everybody regularly promote this. Everybody does a, a push out to social right then and there all at the same time. And then not until you harass them again about, Doing oh, something. they're 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 the my favorite people in the world, but they're the worst to help. They're just, I mean, they're all busy. They all have jobs, right. and I, I I totally get it. But like, I've even done financial incentives. Like, hey, if you get people to register, I will pay you X amount of dollars for every paid registrant you get to come. None, like crickets. Like, you know, it's like so. What it's there's you're not gonna do financial incentives. You're not gonna get them to like. Um, and the what I've come to realize over the years is that you know. The, your event is your baby. It keeps you up at night thinking how you're going to take care of it, how you're going to pay the bills, how, you know, what is it going to look like when you, when it grows up and graduates from, graduates from college, but nobody else cares about it. Like you do, like they have right. great intentions. And if you give them a specific task, like they will go do it. If you give them a big ask or something vague, they're just like, I don't have time to mess with this. I've got other things to do. And I understand and I get it, but that's probably the hardest thing about running an event is it truly is on the shoulders of those who are losing sleep over it. And if you're not losing sleep over it, you're not an event organizer. Yeah. So I know that, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely feel that having run dozens of events across the Western US and, and trying to um, find a little bit different, like I wasn't hosting some of the events. I, I started SharePoint Saturday, Sacramento. I sat in Silicon Valley. Um, I ran for seven, eight years with a great group of, of people. Um, the one on Microsoft campus in Redmond. Um, we started in Bend, Oregon, uh, Salt Lake City, the one in Utah that I'm still involved with now that I moved here. Um, but I did all remote. Los Angeles is another one. Um, that trying to find people like, hey, let me show you how to do it and run it and organize it. And then, but find local people to step in to own it and run it, and then just be kind of an advisor to that. 
And he, that was a struggle to, to find those people that, that cared about that. But marketing for these events has always been difficult. And no matter you know, how much you push it out there, it's inevitable that you'll get those emails or somebody will you know, contact you like a week after. It's like, I had no idea this was going on. Every and we're like, single year. Right. And I, which is just incredible. Like, do you not, I, and that just how people phase out, they just tune out to the, the marketing. They don't pay attention to those, those things. And uh, you know, and that's, that's why it's great to have, I mean, with SharePoint Saturdays where you had SharePoint Saturday.org and then replaced by SPSEvents.org, both of those gone now, there's this kind of void for those types of events, but also doing SharePoint centric events where that's the key focus. There's still SharePoint content that's that's out there. That's valuable content for power platform people. Yeah. Um, and, and so finding that in that sense of community and building that Microsoft is attempting to do that. Collab days and what you know Audis is doing is provides the platform so that you have a site, you have got a way to do call to speakers, you've got the registrations, you've got the call for sponsors, all of that built into the platform that he provides for free for events that are free, you know, community events. It's a great platform. I don't know if he forces people or that I shouldn't say just Audis, it's not just Audis, but um, as the driver of that whether they allow people to have a different name other than collab days. Does it all have to be collab days? Um, but that's something that Microsoft has said, hey, with what they're trying to build out and the platform that they're providing, um, you can name it whatever you want. Their mm -hmm. suggestion is Microsoft Community Day, which is so generic that it will entice zero people to go, my opinion. Well, I think... So I think why SPS events worked and helped launch, I think it really helped launch the community is because everybody had one site to go to, right, to find find an event. And so that right there is a ton of marketing like, oh, I'm going to go there because I'm looking for an event or because I know about it. And I just came from an event, but it was an easy place to send everybody to go. And maybe the same thing can happen with collab days, go to the collab days site, you can see all the collaboration events that are happening around you, it becomes something that you just tell people to go to. And that, I think that having a central location to point people to is really effective because it, it, I think that would help it grow. But like, you know, I've, I've been advertising my event on the tech community sites and, you know, other newsletters people have been doing. I'm sure Avanade's even done it before. Like, but it's like, it's never been like, it's never cracked that nut. In fact, so I had two registrations this week from people from Sweden. Sweden. And they actually filled out that field. How did you hear about NACS? And they said Twitter and podcast. I'm just like, well, I guess there's some exposure coming there, but I, I'm I'm shocked to see attendees. I get speakers from Sweden, but attendees from Sweden are coming. I guess so we should clarify for anybody watching or listening is because North American Collab Summit has a virtual um, sessions as well. So there will be virtual participants, not just in person, but it's primarily an in-person event. Oh, this year it's being clobbered by in person. I think people are so entirely fed up with virtual. I mean, like when I when I first launched it, launched the registration, it was mostly virtual again. But then that's gone off the cliff. I have not had anybody sign up for the on for virtual in four or five months. It's been all in person. That's um, good. Think, that's good news. I, I'm looking. 
I, well, yeah, I mean, it's good to have people participating in bo both places. And I know that you have, what, two tracks or three tracks of virtual? Two virtual tracks, yes. Okay. Yeah, so two virtual tracks that are, that are set up and we'll have moderators. And and so I'm helping with that portion of, of organizing the event. And, uh, you know, and it's been, I mean, great feedback the last couple of years. I mean, we had smaller numbers in person, but um, I think you were like at least less than a third of what you were pre-pandemic, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm, I don't know. Like, and I mean, the pandemic hit at our two weeks. They shut the world down two weeks before my event. And I really had to scramble, but that year was set to be our biggest year. And I mean, we had been growing every year by a pretty big amount. And then that's just, it's, I mean, we're still nowhere near where we used to be. And it's, 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 it stinks, but yeah, it is. Well, I know that a lot of people that are saying that they're going to, you know, be out for that, but it's, you know, I, what I'm excited about is like, you had, um, like comms V next. So talking with, I had dinner with Adam ball in Denver uh, a few weeks back. So the week before the comms V next uh, event, which was largely uh, Microsoft teams related. And, you know, there's, you know, Skype for business, like that crowd. And, uh, and so a lot of comms and, and telecom folks there at that event. And he said he had, I think he said like, 50 60 people more than what he read had registered like so there suddenly there was this surge and he said it was you know more people showing up than he thought and you know thought that was a good sign i don't know what the numbers are like for power platform conference that's happening in orlando um later this month but that is i've heard that that they've seen a tremendous spike in registrations as well so i'm hopeful that people are like you said i'm fed up with the online like it, i i, I want to get back to in person i, I want to have those engagements those serendipitous hallway conversations is where i get the highest value out of attending these events no i agree and that's why like you probably you i know you know is that you know microsoft ignite announced their dates this year which are smack dab on top of my dates for, if we haven't mentioned it again, the North American Collaboration Summit, www.collabsummit.org. Um, but it's like, that's like, when I first heard that I was crushed, I'm like, my event is now dead. Like there's no way to compete with Microsoft Ignite. But then when I found out the details that like, they're only allowing 3,500 people in person in Seattle. And it's by <laughs> like by lottery as well. It's, it's tough to get in there. Well, it's, well, they're going to, you know, I, I might guess, and I, you know, may have heard through the grapevine is they're going to hand out like 2000 to their partners. So that means that lottery of tickets is what, maybe a thousand across all of Microsoft technologies, right? Not just our space. Right. So there's really the, the opportunities to go in person for Ignite are none. I, in, in reality, they are, they're zero. Um, so what I'm doing for Branson, which I think is starting to get some attraction is I am setting up rooms for viewing Ignite content. So now you can actually get kind of that in-person experience for from a virtual content, like a virtual conference, because you can watch the streaming events, but you can talk to people about it. You can have hallway conversations about it. So it's, I'm hoping that that can figure out how to get that in front of enough people so they can realize this is your chance um, to, to have an in-person experience with Ignite and still get to have all our other conference content and and party with us and all that stuff so is, is cashman going to be there in person or is he doing not a in person he's doing okay. a virtual keynote on friday um to kind of go through the highlights from ignite and i have like i think last time i have i had nine microsoft people like 
and several product group people in Branson that are going to be part of that keynote too. So I'm going to have a large product group contingent. Yeah. So folks that, uh, that's a great point. If you uh, are not already doing something around Microsoft Ignite, like you're not going to miss out by participating, which I think is a, is a great thing. This is the, I like this idea of hybrid events, where it's mostly uh, in person, you have, it's largely that type of event, but that you have the facilities there for like, we're doing the virtual tracks, but also then to go in and view that other that virtual content. And, and maybe that's a pattern for going forward that you have a room dedicated that has a bigger screen and projector and loud sound there where you could have some of the virtual uh, presentations, but have other keynotes. It's easier then to go and do an ask from Microsoft. Um, like uh, we just brought this up in our user group that years ago, Jeff Teeper, who's now the president, I don't know what the official title is, president of basically SharePoint, Teams, Power Platform, everything kind of across the board, all the collaboration technologies. Um, he said, I will, uh, I'm going to make it out to uh, Utah to your event. I'm going to be holding that over him soon and inviting him to in February. But to get senior execs, they're much more able and willing to, to do that. If you give a, like, hey, we're going to have a virtual keynote. And you've done that. You've done that in the main hall before. Yep, have people virtually. Yeah. So this is, I mean, I've done it. Yeah. Well, it was Teeper last year. He was there virtual. He did virtual keynote last year. So that that's was, right. That was good. I, I haven't got him to Branson yet. So, you know, yeah. now that he's a president, he probably didn't respond to my emails, but we'll see. <laughs> Well, I would say that it's a lot easier to get from Redmond to Salt Lake than it is from Redmond to Branson. Oh, absolutely. I don't fault. Yeah. I mean, I, I give him a hard time, but I don't fault him at all. Yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. Anyway, if, if, but if nobody's been there before, I, mean, I think it's just a beautiful area. So, uh, you know, although I uh, tried to convince the wife to hey, let's go take a look at this, this area, this part of the world. And yeah. yeah land out here is cheap. You can find yeah. land for a couple thousand an acre out here. So wow. I, so I, don't, I don't want too many people to know, but since I like you, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Now, it's uh, the one last thing, uh, uh, something that we've tried for the last couple of years. So we hold our event here in, in Utah at the Salt Lake Community College. It's a beautiful facility. It's the um, Gail Miller con you know, Convention Center. We do the whole convention center. We have you know eight rooms and a whole expo area and hallways. And it just it's just a great facility for this. Um, they just raised their prices, which, which understandably, I'm sure that they made a killing during the pandemic with events. Uh, and so <laughs> they, to entice people to come back, they said, what's a great way that we could bring people back? Let's raise our prices. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, so we're doing the event there. We've tried to push out to the, the communities. We have three major universities right within the two valleys, Salt Lake Valley, Utah Valley. And we've pushed out, gone into IT departments, into the business groups, into the grad school programs, to professors, to the program leads. Set, we've put up flyers. We got approval to put up flyers on three campuses of three different universities. So Utah, the University of Utah, uh, Utah Valley uh, um, University and Brigham Young University. And I think the last event that we had that I'm aware of had maybe four students for all that effort register and show up. Wow, four. 
I mean, that's the other thing I've done. I've like reached out to colleges and universities because there's so many in the area here and, uh, you know, within the Ozarks. And I've actually gone and spoken to like heads of their department saying, look, here's this event. This is the technologies that companies are hiring on. I will give your students free registration to come hang out and get free food. And hey, we're even doing a party. It's they get a day off of class. And the head of the department's like, yeah, this sounds great. I'll let them know. And like, like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, I'm not contact many universities. It's, it's like people don't want to give up their free time to go to a conference like this uh, at that age. They don't. I think it takes a, a certain type of crazy to want to give up your free time and be part of this community. I think. Um, yeah, which is incredible. I, back in the, when I was involved in the rational software communities in the late 90s and early 2000s and uh, folks that don't know rational software they were acquired by ibm and and ibm wanted all of the service revenue from all of it basically killed the whole community and all the third-party solutions and stuff because that's why ibm bought them they wanted all of that business but it was a thriving community user groups and i i presented to a a group it was from the the haas business school at, at berkeley, uc berkeley um and went and, and talked to a bunch of students and they were asked it's like well what what are your recommendations? Where would you go and focus? And at the time I said, look, we, this space that was in was like software configuration management. So code management, like that space, like could not find enough people. Like if you have six months of experience, these people were getting paid what 10 year veterans and other technologies were getting paid, you know, that, that just having basic understanding of being able to go in and like in our world now, like manage like the GitHub stuff and the code management and you know, just that, that world. And so saying, Hey, look, there's these free events that are going on. We're doing user groups around this, come out to them. Same thing. Just maybe one or two would come out to that. Um, I don't know this is one of those cases where you'd hear um, kids say that, you know, young and still in school, like, well, this is boring infrastructural stuff. Like, it, that's not it's not fun i want to go and be building you know front end and new applications and go kind of write my own ticket and I, i'm still kicking myself that in the early 90s i was uh, i worked for eds and was identified as a candidate to go and be trained to become a cobalt programmer and i'm like no 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 and six years later when all of these people that I knew that went through the program that I would have done at the same time were making three, four X what I was making as COBOL programmers. Yeah. Uh, I felt pretty sad. Well, you know, I've over my years, there's, I've decided that I've decided there's two types of people, those who want a job and those who want a career. And those who want a career are the ones who are going to do things to put an extra effort, like give up a Saturday for a conference, going to go to that extra mile for training and um you know not to not to but you know what if, if programming didn't interest you who cares how much money it makes you got to do stuff you're passionate about too right so don't uh, so not that wasn't to like say well obviously you didn't care enough or you were done cobalt it's like no it's not wasn't what you were passionate about yeah it wasn't what i was passionate about it's like but yeah the the but I also have the sense to look at and say, like, with my degrees, I say this to all four of my kids as they went through schools, like, like, if you want to go and, uh, uh, and, and learn about um, Chilean tribal uh, dance, and that's your passion, like, awesome, 
what are you going to do for a living after that? Um, so how are you going to actually make money do, doing those things? So it's like, you have a choice. Choices have consequences. And so think about what are the jobs that are out there? I have this with my son, who's uh, my kids would all agree. I've got the one that's the smartest of my children. He's a 4.0 about to graduate in December from the university of Utah his degree is his bachelor of science in atmospheric sciences. He like, he's on the track to like go work for NASA kind of thing. And, I, but I asked him a simple question, like what jobs are out there? What's the career path? What, like, what can you go and do with the degree? And he's just like, uh, you know, his next step is to find a job for a while and then do go in and do graduate school and probably pursue up to the PhD to go and do, do those, those things. But, you know, I said, well, if that, and he's passionate, he's sticking with that, but we had those conversations. Like you need to be thinking about people that have this degree. What do they go into? I don't know. You're talking with career counselors about that. Here's the different jobs. That's how I look at like the conversation and the advice to, um, to, to students uh, that are in tech that are in, uh, you know, that your computer science and say, Hey, here's actual jobs. Here's what you can do uh, as a marketing guy. I would say this to people uh, when I talk to grad students down here, I used to partner with uh, the Marriott school of management at BYU and leverage them and hire them on research projects. And they would ask this question, like different things. I said, look, you, if you like tech, like me, I love tech, but I was a marketing guy. There is a tremendous path. Say sadly, marketing people often get paid more than programmers do, you know, but um, it's like, but, you know, so go and find out about these other things. Talk to people at these events If nothing more than what are you doing? What was your path forward? How did you find your way? You'll find a ton of people that were just like that. Just want to be a coder. I'm passionate about this. Here was their, their path. Here's how they, they, what they learned to do with it. A lot of Microsoft technology is so much about you can still have those passions, but here's how the pieces actually come together to serve, you know, enterprise collaboration needs of what companies are actually hiring people to go and do. Yeah, absolutely. And and the that's the thing. Like, if any students are listening to your podcast right now, like find one of these find one of these events, like the Collab Days or the North American Collaboration Summit, October twelfth and fourteenth in Branson, Missouri. But the thing is, like because of this stretch of collaboration software, it's not all tech people. It's not, there are creative types, there are marketing types, there are business types. Like no matter what, if you think technology is so far out of the realm of what you want to do for a career that you care about, well, that means you've cut out maybe what, 20, 20 or 30% of the content, right? There's right. very small percent of the content is, content is specifically technology focused. I remember when we, you know, when I first started going, where I first met you, that was at my first Microsoft conference was SPC09. That's where I actually met for yeah. the first time. Yep. And um, I remember coming from that event and people talking to me about these SharePoint events where they're like, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of women here. That's, this is strange for a technology event to have so many women. And luckily that's changed over the years, just in general with, with, you know, more and more women entering the field. But, you know, at the time that struck me as well. And it's, it was because it wasn't so tech focused that they were able to bring in people from, you know, all different parts of organizations to work in a collaboration space. So don't, if you're not a technology person, if you don't know what you want to do with your career yet, I mean, 
check out one of these collab conferences because it's not just technology focused. It's not just IT nerds. Um, there's a, a whole bunch of people there and it's, it's a hot market right now. So if you want to really have a, a stellar career in your future and a place that you can grow, because these technologies are only growing. They're actually, you know, growing into other universes like the metaverses and stuff now, but it's, right. it's, I, I just, I want to encourage anybody listening that check out one of these events. You can go for free. And you might be able to find something that you're passionate about that you had no clue you were passionate about. And you left out one other thing about uh, North American Collaboration Summit is that is there is a bowling competition as well. So yeah, there is, and I will I will take that trophy from you. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, they we'll see. So every year, or this is the third year <laughs> in a row that we're doing our our attendee party at a place called Andy B's. And Andy B's has arcade games. They've got uh, virtual, uh, they've got the escape rooms, they've got VR games, they've got a karaoke room. They also have a full bowling alley. Um, and so every, for the past two years, uh, Christian and I have had a speed bowling contest. So yeah. it doesn't matter how accurate you are, it's how fast you roll the ball because the right. computers there will, will tell you how fast the ball was rolled. And Should we add a rule in there that it could be as fast as you want, but you have to hit a pin or it doesn't count? Ooh, I like that. That's I a good that's, one. That's that's a, Let's add that one. Yeah. Um, you can have a multiplier of how many pins you hit. How about that? Uh, I, yeah. No, but that might be hard because if you had a super Wait. fast ball, you, you wouldn't want a super fast ball to hit one pin to lose to someone who rolled really slowly and got and a hit strike. all of them. Right. Yeah. So you have, yeah, maybe I think at least one pin. That's a good rule. Let's not make it. Yeah. Complicated. And we just have a bonus award for that or something with the multiplier or something. Ah, we'll have to get creative around that. But, but well, Mark, there's, actual, there's rumors of an actual trophy this year. Yeah, there there will be an actual trophy. So yes, I need to get that ordered. I'll, I'll jot that down to uh, to put the order in. Excellent. Well, it's open sign up, right? It is. It is. Uh, we'll see. I think it'll be because there's the trophy, and I'll be making a a bit of a push around social on it i think we'll get a few more people so it might be that neither of us make the top three so yeah i'm okay with that i'm okay with yeah that. it's all right yeah no, I, I i just want to experience it so well well mark really appreciate uh, uh you know all that you do for the community of course and uh uh looking forward to seeing everybody out in branson missouri in october for the north american collaboration summit and I'll share all the links, of course, in the uh, in the notes and in the blog post. So okay, and you know, to help your listeners, encourage them to come. I'll make a coupon code of Collab Talk. It'll give you twenty five percent off. How's that? Oh, nice, very nice. It's not that it's like it's, it's a big money event anyway. It's not. Well, most of my expenses of are covered now. I'm a nonprofit yeah. event. Most of my expenses are covered now. So there's an incremental cost for every new attendee that adds. But I'm happy to get some discounts at this point to help help bring people in and, and get them there. Excellent. Definitely have to, I'll promote that as well. So, well, Mark, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Talk soon. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening.